0: Once you practice more and more and more, you just realize that you yourself are that authentic creator. You possess all of those beautiful, beautiful powers that are all around us. We're just a reflection of the universe. It's like, you know, these vibrations. they sound different, but they're one. They're all reflecting each other. It's like you're in a mirror room and you look before you and you see so many reflections of yourself, like there's a huge lineup, that's what NAD is, that's what vibration is, that's what sound is, that's what light is. It's just reflecting each other. They're not different. They're all one.
1: Welcome to A Curious Yogi Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby, here to illuminate your practice as we discover what it means to walk the yogi's path. Together with wise friends and awakening teachers, we uncover the answers to our greatest questions. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. Welcome back to the show, curious listeners. This week's guest is a complete treasure who is spreading the light of oneness through the medicine of nod or sound. It's my total delight to introduce Gurnamit Singh, a third-generation kirtan singer from Chandigarh, India, who is determined to share his lineage teachings and help practitioners evolve into their authentic selves through bhakti yoga. He began his intense study of tabla, vocals, harmonium, and kirtan at the age of eight. Gurnamit's immense talent was previously celebrated worldwide within the Sikh community before being publicly outed as queer. As a South Asian LGBTQI, Gurnamit inspires others with his profound and accessible wisdom cultivated after healing his own trauma and reconciling his past of abuse. He now offers his students and community the many traditional practices that he's not only mastered but lives daily. He is the real deal. Gurnamit's story, brilliance, and joy is filled with spiritual insight that anyone on any path can learn from. A complete honor to share the space with him in this vulnerable and illuminating conversation. Welcome, Gurnamit, to A Curious Yogi Podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Bobby. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, it's such a just total delight to share this space with you and I want to start by appreciating you, just the, the ancient, inclusive, spectacular spirit that you have that is just so magnetic. And when I met you for the first time, even when I connected with you online and then met you in person, I was just so enamored with your sincerity and what you're bringing to the world and the light that you're shining. So I just want to start by appreciating you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That really warms my heart. And um, uh, thank you. Just my heart is full of gratitude. And I feel the same way about you. We were connected virtually. And then voila, in Rishikesh, we see each other and we connected. And I guess we both share that medicine of inclusivity and love. And we see each other and we see the world with so much love. So I guess I'm just a reflection of you. So yeah, oh, we're just beautiful. reflecting each other.
1: The light is shining right through the zoom. It's perfect. So yeah. you have such a a deep, deep story, and um, I just want to like get right into your spiritual path, who you are, and why don't you just start by telling us and the listeners like who is Guru Singh? Who are you?
0: Oh my God, Guru Singh. Such a trip. That's where I'll start. <laughs> uh, I was born and raised in India. Uh, Chandigarh is the hometown where I was born. And I was blessed with the most beautiful parents. And I'm so grateful that I was blessed to be their son. And Luckily, they were third, They were second-generation Kirtan practitioners, Kirtan singers. So anything that's related to Doro chakra, bhakti, devotion, uh, temple ceremonies, um, I grew up with that. It was part of my childhood to be around community, to be around practitioners, to be around religious practitioners, spiritual Doro chakra practitioners, yogis. And to experience their medicine, watch them practice, watch them grow, watch them teach, uh, was part of my upbringing. And and that has been my inspiration that basically got me so dedicated to the practice of bhakti and kirtan. So I have to say, the medicine that I offer to the community now at this time of my life is basically music, nad, kirtan, chanting, allowing people to open up their voices, and it's so interesting because even though I grew up, you know, in an environment where, you know, chanting and using the throat chakra was like the priority, was like you know the main deal. But having some life experiences in my life where I couldn't really allow myself to voice myself, to release that energy, to release and activate my throat chakra. At this point in my life, I think I've come to a place where I'm able to do that consciously and authentically. It took a long time to get here uh, to offer the medicine with integrity and also take blessings from my teachers who shared these this medicine with me um so i'm just really grateful at this time kurnamath is is coming from a space of sharing the medicine of bhakti however i get to share it if i'm singing or if i'm sharing the practice with someone i guess my medicine is to share and to share you know this medicine that healed me through the most traumatic phase of my life uh, uh of my childhood and to come to a place um, where I get to live my purpose every day. Mm,
1: beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Can you, for the listeners, shed a little bit of light onto bhakti and kirtan as it relates to your practice or the Sikh religion or where it is now in your, in your life? Uh,
0: thank you for that question. Um, so I was born in a Sikh family. And Sikhs are are relatively new. Uh, And we came at a time when there was a war between the Hindus and the Muslim. And the idea of the first guru, the first teacher, Guru Nanak, was to say that there are no Hindus and there are no Muslims. There's only one creator. There's only one universal force that's, you know, within all of us. And we don't have to fight over gender and to bring compassion and love the biggest medicine that our teachers my ancestors used was music bhakti devotion chanting to touch the hearts of the wounded to touch the hearts that were um so rock hard and so 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 stiff and so immune uh because the that time was also where, you know, people were having spiritual practices and dharma, but then I guess the the influence of money, power, and greed was so powerful that they lost the aesthetic and the essence of bhakti and devotion. And so Guru Nanak was the one who basically used music, chanting, mantra, to share the word of equality, love, and compassion, and to say, hey, it's time to come back home. It's time to come back to the body. It's time to fulfill your dharma and your purpose and to live authentically. So for me, bhakti is just not even about singing or chanting mantras. It's all about expressing your true authentic self and and seeing others, feeling others, and making others feel comfortable and safe that's bhakti bhakti for me is all about feeling safe and making others feel safe as well
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's so interesting about the Sikh religion I didn't know that that it's like how it came about and When I hear you sing, I can hear that it is this healing power for you in your life. And it's kind of, it doesn't even seem like something you do. It seems like something that's such a part of you. And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit about how that channel that you have and that you share with others has helped you through your difficult times in the past.
0: Hmm. I will share a small detail. It is very... Personal, when I was um, five years old, I was a victim of abuse, sexual abuse. And it went on for seven years. And it was really difficult for me because at this time I'm really young and I don't know how to express what was happening at that time. I didn't even know what was happening to me. So during this time of abuse, I was introduced to the medicine of bhakti at the age of eight years. And that's where my practice of the drums, practice of mantra, singing, chanting, and just using uh, musical notes to express emotions and feelings started. And by the age of 11, I was able to raise my voice and actually voice myself and say, I'm not safe and this is not okay. So... The medicine that helped me to come to a place to voice myself and release that stagnant energy, that trauma was basically music and chanting. What's interesting about Indian classical music is that they're using sound, musical notes to process grief, to process emotions, to process love, to process any kind of anger And there are these musical scales that are are called ragas, or rags, R A A G. You know, when you have a simple raga like, So that's like a very vibrant, happy, you know, that's, that's giving out a really lively energy. But then you have ragas, musical scales that are all about processing and consciously tapping into grief consciously tapping into that energy and then the musical note for that goes like (laughs) So this is the Raga of Shiva, and Shiva is all about alchemy and alchemization. So this Raga takes you to feeling grief and processing it and coming into a space of hope. And what's even more interesting about it is that that not only does it help you process your emotion and your grief and that heavy energy, but it's also sung in the morning from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., and the reason for that is because they say when you're sleeping, you're you're dead. So when you wake up, you're coming up, you're coming in this world and you're coming with so much karma, so much baggage, so much heavy energy. So you consciously at 6 a.m. tap into this energy of Shiva, of Bherav, of Ragh Bherav, and you process that. And even more interesting that it supports the body to vocalize these musical notes because they're so close to each other the frequencies are all minor and some major and that combination allows the physical body to create that sound so our ancestors were onto something for sure
1: <laughs> wow that's so in- powerful like every time I learn something new a different practice or tool that's rooted in Indian tradition it always has such a like depth and brilliance and ancientness in it that it's like almost hard for like my western mind to comprehend how brilliant it is like wow but yet you make it sound simple
0: Hmm, I guess like I had to really break it down for myself because my teachers were, you know, bombarding me with so much information when I was ready to learn from them. And honestly, it took me, you know, almost 20, 20 plus years to come to a place where I can actually see the medicine Like before, for me, that 11-year-old boy who voiced himself, who raised his voice, I think his intention was like, I am not safe and I want to feel safe. And this 33-year-old man now can actually look back and actually see what allowed that 11-year-old boy to really voice himself. It's because I think it took a really long time to travel and make sense of everything and connect the dots At that moment, I was just, you know, receiving messages and I was just acting upon them. But I didn't know how it was happening, what made it happen, where it was coming from. The medicine was just working. It's now that I get to articulate it and understand and dissect it, find all the layers in it and, you know, share that. With, with people and then what's even more interesting that when I share these stories when I share the practice I get to learn so much from people from their personal experience because their experience you know is different and their lens and their filter is completely different from what I see so that expansion happens to another level watching teachers practice watching teachers share not just you know uh, lineage holders from the Indian classical music, but also yogis, you know, sadhus and Rishis that I got to spend time with and practice with and learn from. their words make sense now. And back in the day, it just didn't make any sense. Like I'll share the most simplest thing that my guru, my teacher, uh, shared with me. He said, Gurnamit, there are three things in life you never share with the world." Number one, never share what you're eating. Like, never share space when you're eating your and when you're eating your food. Number two, never practice your sadhana, your daily meditation, and your, and your musical practice in front of anyone. Make sure you're in a safe container, and you have your privacy, and that you're feeling safe when you're practicing. Number three never share any information when it comes to your intimacy your intimate relationships be it with your partner be it with your family be it with your really really close loved ones make sure you savor them and cherish them and honor them with all of your heart at that time you know all he said was don't share about what you're eating don't share your practice and don't tell anyone about your intimate relationship boom, ended. Now I get to dissect it, make a beautiful blue flower out of it, and learn what the medicine was.
1: That's so beautiful to think of, like, when we think of using our voice as a way to express, also recognizing that we have to have these safe moments and private, intimate moments with ourselves to allow it to come out. I think, like, I'm wondering what you've found with working with people all over the world and teaching people how to find their authentic self through the voice how rare it is that we use our voice in that way to express authentically in private or with others but more so even in private like apart from singing in the shower like there's not even many yogis that are sitting and doing mantra especially in the west and singing the way in which you teach it.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting that when I get to work with people and share the medicine with them, I guess mostly people are coming with this curiosity of like, how do we even activate the throat chakra? Because not many practitioners are sharing these modalities and practices, the deep, deep, small little techniques that allow you to connect your throat chakra to your navel, to your solar plexus and your heart and your root chakra. And because to activate uh, the throat chakra, you need to engage your root, your sacral, your solar plexus, and your heart. And anything that's related to the heart, solar plexus, root, and sacral is NAD, or that's something we call vibration, something that requires two physical objects to come into contact and it creates sound. It can be just me snapping my fingers, the breath from my lungs entering my vocal cords and activating the voice is an instrument, is nad, is vibration. You know, when we plug a string on an instrument and that sound sound comes out, that's nad too. And so anything that requires the physical body to create that sound is nad. And nad can be, you know, melodious, it can sound really pretty, and then it can be just pure noise of traffic. So to activate throat chakra, you need the physical body in full alignment your root needs to be so strong that the voice, the door chakra is manifesting its authentic reality and not trauma. So when, when all of these physical chakras are activated, then comes your third eye and your crown. And how do we, in, how do we use them? How do we activate them to support our throat chakra is basically listening to anahad Nath, which is another version of Nath, which is called anahad, A-N-A-H-D, anahad. And that, that vibration is called the song of the gods, the song of the creator, the beard of the creator. Sometimes you're walking and then you're just listening to a song in your head and you're like, oh, where did I hear that? Is someone playing that song? But no, that mantra or that chant or that song or that melody was just basically playing in your in your mind. And then you end up just creating that sound. You know, those intuitive channelers, those intuitive beings. You know, people even like who intuitively download information, psychics and stuff like that. That's all anahadanaad. That's the message of the gods. That's the message of the creators. So in throat Chakra practices, they actually teach you how to tune into that. And they allow you to activate the physical nod, the physical vibration in order to write and vocalize and manifest the anahad, the sound of the creator, the song of the creator. So there have been some mantras that I have sung, the melody of the mantras that I've sung that were basically, I'm just walking. And then that sound would just come and I'd be like, I'll just bring out my recorder and I would just start singing it right on the street come back home and start playing it and make it all a reality. There have been times where I've dreamt of a mantra or a sound or a song and it would just, you know, become my reality. So when it comes to sharing that with people and giving people that experience, my basic intention is to share the medicine of the foundational practice, making them understand how to really work and strengthen their root chakra and their sadhana And then, you know, I allow them to have their own experience.
1: When I'm hearing you express, I'm hearing that like creative power that gives rise to the anahad. Is that how you say it? Yeah, anahad. So that is the divine creative power that's rising that sound vibration up in all of us. But the purpose of the sadhana or end the purpose of the sadhana is to sort of clarify and harmonize. Harmonize the body and the being to be open to hearing it.
0: Yeah, and making you really sensitive to those sounds because when you know we're distracted and not in tune with ourselves and our authentic selves, we we sometimes don't even hear the magic and we don't even see the magic that's all around us. That's why Sadhana comes in, and they're like, "Hey, remember, there's this beautiful side of you." you know, with all the cloudiness and heaviness that's all around you. Remember that there's something really beautiful and important about you, about your existence and your presence. Let's focus on that. Let's come Mm. back home. Mm.
1: And that's like, that power, that voice is like the brilliance that, that gave you the power at 11 years old to stand up for yourself and say, this is, this is not okay. This is okay. And like, Mm. as we develop that, more and more, I think it must just become louder and louder. And whether it comes out in a mantra or a song or any other sound, like what are the other ways that that can be expressed? The
0: Anahad Ah, Yes, music is definitely for me has been um, one of the most powerful practices to really tune into Anahad But I've also had experiences during my teacher trainings uh, you know doing yoga trainings for myself training myself sitting with my sadhana and then sometimes these quotes would download in my mind you know beautiful messages and even like when i'm listening to people when i'm talking to people working with people then these beautiful creative messages from the creator just download and then next thing you know, this beautiful manifestation of an adventure happens or, you know, a program takes life or a workshop takes life. And when you see someone and that 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 wave of inspiration and excitement and joy and passion is so profound that it makes you ultra sensitive and then you ready to create something. And make that feeling that sensation a reality that the whole world can experience and reach to that vibration reach to that frequency. I believe there's so many ways to activate the an and but I guess the most important thing is that you need to come back to yourself and be aware and be silent and be compassionate, be very, very compassionate. Because there can be sometimes a dry spell where you might not get any message for a long time and then all of a sudden it shows up.
1: Hmm. What, what role would you say that faith and trust in God or universal consciousness, whatever language we want to put on it, what role would you say that the trust in that plays in having this experiences with the opening of the throat chakra and those higher experiences?
0: I feel like trust and faith is our innate nature. It just flows naturally from our being because that's what we are. I never identify them as separate. I feel like they are me and I'm them. And um, I feel like when our ego surfaces and takes over or just, you know, harsh experiences in life, sometimes they make us, you know, uh, they make us distracted and we're not able to see the reality. We're not able to see, you know, what's right for us and what's wrong for us. For, for me, faith and trust are, you know, my natural instincts, my natural personality. And the moment I tune into them, I just feel home and there's never a doubt around them. Even if I, you know, say the word god or vaheguru or ram or shiva brahma Mahesh, like these are all just different names i can just be like oh creator fine i'll deal with it but it's like uh, believing in in the creator that's within believing in this energy force that's within it's it all comes down to believing in yourself i think i'm also coming from a place of uh, my sikh lineage because they, they always emphasized on, you know, uh, surfacing your authentic self through chanting, through practices, through bhakti, through seva, through selfless work. And the intention of all of these practices was to bring out this authentic self. And they call the creator the authentic energy, the supreme energy. And we all share that energy. And once you practice more and more and more you just realize that you yourself are that authentic creator you possess Mm -hmm. all of those beautiful beautiful powers that are all around us we're just a reflection of the universe Mm -hmm. it's like you know these vibrations they sound different but they're one they're all reflecting each other it's like you're in a mirror room and you look before you and you see so many reflections of yourself. Like there's a huge lineup. That's what nad is. That's what vibration is. That's what sound is. That's what light is. It's just reflecting each other. They're not different. They're all one. Sa, 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 sa. Sa is the name of a musical note. I can make any frequency my sa. I'm just traveling different images, different reflections, one reflection to another reflection. So it all comes down to like everything else is an illusion. And the reality is just, we're all just reflecting each other in one way or another. Mm-hmm. So that trust and faith is basically brings you back. Instead of like looking at this vastness, it's bringing you back home to yourself, to your yourself, which is the foundation, which is the beginning of it all the light within, the creator within.
1: Yeah, it takes such a refined awareness to be attentive to that space of oneness in a world that is so separate. It's so dualistic. It's so just naturally, Mm -hmm. we open our eyes in the morning, we wake up and it's the mechanism. The mind differentiates this and that, me and them. And I think, you know, before when you were talking about the power of the morning time, when we wake up, as a human to first root in that awareness that refined awareness of oneness because we have a lot to as if go against in the day even though we can as we deepen our spiritual practice we can recognize in every meeting and every moment we're looking at our own self but it takes like a real groundedness to get to it that does
0: it does it does you know like sometimes when I talk about this stuff in my family they just go like you're just privileged you just literally cut ties with so many people and now you have your own group of magical souls and then um and then you feel safe and you feel like you don't have to deal with a lot of that stuff and I'm like mom dad I had to fight to be in a place where I could create an environment that feels safe to me it took me a long time to be at a place where I can share this medicine authentically and I don't have to worry about anything else or politics or you know workspace politics and stuff like that it took me a long time to fight and fight and fight and be at this place I'm not privileged I had to fight for this and um It took a long time to create that environment, to create that safe space for now, for my present here. God knows what's there in the future. But so far, like, yeah, it is such a challenge, you know, when you're out there in the world and people are coming from their personal traumas or personal experiences and they go like, your reality might not be a reality where you can be gas in one second your personal practice your personal sadhana your years and years of vocal practice or yoga practice or therapy that you've been doing people can just put one question like what if what if it's not the truth and that can take to take you to a really really dark place a really dark place
1: I'm wondering if you want to speak a bit about the the fight that you've gone through in your life and the depths that you've reached in your personal experience and how yeah. you've how you've come to where you are now through your sadhana and your faith.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for asking that question. So my journey started when I was 8 and music was the only practice that made me happy, that made me smile. I was this excited little kid going to school, coming back home and super excited to learn music. And I was also really blessed with music practice because my parents, my dad, you know, uh, second generation Kirtan singer, and he was blessed with the opportunity to open up a school in Chandigarh where I was born. And it was in our house. We had four uh, uh, floors in our house. So the basement, the first floor and the second floor uh, were given to the school. And the ground floor was where we would, me, my mom, my sister, my dad would live. And uh, we would have 600 students coming in and out from the age of five years old until 62 years was the oldest student that we had (laughs) in that school. And, And that school was running for more than a decade And there was no fees charged. No one was charged a single penny for that. My parents sponsored and paid for the teachers, made sure that they were really happy and they were given beautiful salaries and they would come every day, um, six days a week. And then they would teach and share the medicine of bhakti. They want to learn instruments. They want to learn sitar. They want to learn a rabab. They want to learn a tanpura, a harmonium or scripture reading. Or learning how to dive deep into the medicine of chanting. Everything was taught for free and it was so accessible. So that's how my journey started too. Because I could just go into any class and learn all that I want to learn. And I was this kooka little kid who was just ready to learn it all. So because my parents were so well-known in the community, I started doing ceremonies when I was nine. I learned my first mantra and I played it for my dad and my mom they And they were like, beautiful. You're ready to sing for the community. Now you're going to be singing for the community. So I'm like, oh, okay. Did not see that coming. So, <laughs> and then that journey started of holding space, holding space for community, coming from integrity, making sure you're well-prepared to share this medicine. And then in 2008, 18, when I was 18, that's when I was a talent discovered in the Sikh community. And um, during this time, I was celebrated so much. 2008, uh, 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way till 17. I was celebrated in the Sikh community. And the reason for that was not that not that I could just sing Kirtan and I could translate the Guru Granth Sahib, the scriptures in English for the Western uh, community. So that's where I started traveling around the world, touring around the world, and sharing the medicine of bhakti and kirtan and ceremonies. While all of this was happening, I had boxed this biggest aspect of my life that I hadn't paid much attention to, which was me being queer, which was me being gay. And 2014 was the year when I finally accepted that reality and I had stopped running from my orientation and because ever since the abuse happened, I blocked myself so much that I didn't even want to look back at it. So literally all my life until I was 24, I was not even acknowledging the abuse I would vocalized it, I protected myself, but after that, my nervous system had shut down. I was not ready to go back and look at it. And how I spent all of those years? Practicing, chanting, diving deep and immersing myself into the practice. And then eventually by the age of 24, I was ready to learn that. So now at this time I'm living a double life because the Sikh community is not ready to see me for who I am and living in that shadow was the most difficult thing because since i'm coming from throat chakra now look at this weird situation i am working on my throat chakra but i'm 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 living in a community that's not going to accept me and i have to lie every day about my reality i have to lie to my parents i have to lie to my myself every day it was very difficult very very difficult But something inside me was always going on stage, saying that, oh, creator, can you just give me a normal life? Can I just have a normal, normal life? And at this time, I'd started my Hatha practice, my Hatha yoga practice, and it was helping me a lot, my body and my mind to release that. But also chanting was also one of those beautiful releases by this time. 2017 i had lied so much to myself and the community and to my parents that i was self destructive at this point i was depressed i was sad because i got into a new relationship where we both were not conscious i was not able to honor them and they weren't able to honor me because of course the foundation of my existence was a lie was was shadow was hiding So I couldn't even open up to them in all reality. And and it was a toll on them. It was a toll on me. And eventually somehow, and I have no idea how, in 2017, someone outed me as gay in the South Asian community. All I know is that I woke up with a phone call from a regional channel in England saying that, hey, Gurnamet, we found, you know, all this information about you being gay and what is going on at this time i'm so shocked i'm confused in complete awe i knew something was happening i knew my sensory system was catching on to something that i'm not safe i'm not safe i'm not safe and it was that morning that you know i got that call and they said, you need to say something about it because the community is not okay with this. There's a lot a lot of uproar happening within the short period of time because you're so well-known in the community now that the word is going out really fast and you need to do something, a public statement or apology or something. And I'm like, I'm not going to apologize for being gay, but I can always kind of put out a statement saying that um, if anyone is hurt, by any of the information released about my personal life, I do apologize, right? So I went on that TV channel and I said that and they kind of like changed it into me apologizing for being gay. And at this time, I'm getting death threats. So within the next 48 hours, I was back home in India because I was not safe in England. And I was touring at that time. I came back home and I was really really depressed and sad like just not in my body at all I was suicidal I tried two attempts and I'm not I'm not proud of them at all and it was not the right decision but I was lucky that my mom was always guarding the door somehow she knew something was up and she saved me two times each time bless her heart that beautiful woman bless her heart so When that happened, my parents didn't know what to do at this time. They didn't want to shout at me. They didn't want to tell me what to do with my life or something like that. They just didn't know what to do. They didn't know what they could do. All they know is that all they had to do was protect me and somehow deal with this community that's coming at us like that. And also where the Golden Temple got involved and they wanted me to come and apologize there, for that and and uh but then i never got to go there because uh because of that video statement that was released in england that kind of allowed that scenario not to happen where i have to go to the golden temple and apologize which is again very confusing to my nervous system till this date till this date i don't understand that and I don't even know what to say about it, honestly. I won't say they're bad and I won't say I'm bad because it's just, you know, the matrix is is how the cultural programming is probably, you know, everyone likes to prove their own point. But I guess for me, I just want to be in a place of compassion and love and see reality and accept them for who they are and not ask them to change for me. I just want to see you for who you are so I can know you're not for me and I'm not for you. And that day I knew I'm not for them. I'm not for what that culture represents, but I'm representing the teachings. I'm representing the bhakti. I'm not representing the superficiality of it all. So my dad, who was also my organizer and also, you know, my companion during my tours and everything, he said that let's try putting you out there again. I'm like, wow, the fact you're saying that and not considering my mental health right now and putting me back into that dangerous space is heartbreaking to me. I can articulate that now. At that time, I couldn't even say that. I always said, all I said was do whatever you want. I have nothing to lose and so there was this beautiful group of people from mumbai they booked me to do kirtan with them and hike 48 kilometers uh, to the himkund in the himalayas and what a beautiful journey it was that group was so magical they protected me throughout they didn't let any hater come at me They protected me so much that I, not even for like that whole one week, I got to know what was happening, that someone was slandering me or talking about me or, you know, making fun of my homosexuality or something like that. My dad was completely surprised. He said, let me try booking you for Canada and see if Canada can happen for you. I'm like, you're putting me in the spot, bro. Don't do that to me. (laughs) And at this time, like, again, I'm really sad and upset. And I'm like, why is this even happening? Like, why am I asked to sing more and be in a place where I'm not comfortable? And then he started booking and everything in Canada got booked. Like Toronto, Edmonton, um, uh, Quebec, you know, like Calgary, Winnipeg, and even Vancouver. Like, everything was booked. And even I was kind of surprised. So when I got to Toronto... The moment I get there, things got cancelled. the The ceremonies that were booked got cancelled. I went to Quebec, even everything got cancelled there. Went to Winnipeg, Calgary, everything got cancelled because um, that 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 revelation of me being gay was just not okay to them. They said we don't need people like you here. And somehow I got introduced to Kundalini yoga in Toronto. And I did my first class, and I just knew it. it was for me. It, something about it was just so appealing, probably the aspect of the religion that was associated because of Yogi Bhajan. Um, and I knew all the allegations and everything that was happening before. But just going into that class and then having that experience of Kriya Yoga was really profound for me and i said okay so if this is it if this is what's working for me you know what i'll take it i'll it's making me happy for now i'll do it so i applied for teacher training in india because everything in canada was six months eight months or one year i booked my teacher training in rishikesh i get to vancouver and I had family friends here and that school's family friends said, so Gurnamit, what are you planning with your life right now? I'm like, I have no plans at all. All I know is I'm going back to India and I'm going to be doing this training. That's all I'm looking forward to. They're like, well, there's a big community in Vancouver. Have you thought about maybe living in Vancouver and seeing things, how they happen for you? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. They're like, just try and see if things happen for you. And in 2017, I applied and next thing you know, I got a place to live. I got a work permit. I got a job and, you know, life just started for me here. And I went back to India, did my teacher training. That's when my healing journey started. That's when the reality, you know, after doing that teacher training and then immersing myself in different practices and teacher trainings Since 2017, all the way up to 2021, I was in that portal of just healing myself and those wounds and working on myself, understanding myself on a deeper level. That's when all the throat chakra practices started making sense. That's how I could just connect all the dots of how I was using my voice to process emotions. I was not even singing, but I was crying when I was singing every time on stage that I would go. I was just processing this deep, deep grief, this deep sadness that didn't even feel from this life that felt from previous lives as well. That I was able to channel that grief into my present now, into my reality now, through my music and I had no idea that I was doing that. It is now that I know the language that I'm able to articulate everything for myself and to see my parents where they were to see my teachers where they were to see the expectations of the community and what the community wanted me to sing and i always kind of felt guilty for singing for the community but not feeling happy about it but now i'm at this place when i hold space for kirtan and standing my heart is overflowing with love every time i every time i close the session. I have never experienced so much abundance of love and light within me for the most longest time of my life. And I guess those hardships, that abuse, that shame, those noises that were in my head of all the bully, of all the anger that the community threw at me. It all led me to here. It all led me to this very moment, you know? And then, you know, the rational mind comes in. You're just trying to make sense of it all. But when it feels home, it feels home. That is that feeling of trust. That is that feeling of faith. That is that feeling of your reality. So now I can say I live every day authentically and I don't have to lie about myself. I don't have to lie about anything. I don't have to pretend, I don't have to put on a mask. I can love anyone I want, I can share with whoever I want and also keep that boundary that protects my sanity and my integrity and my beauty as a human being, how I show up to the world, how I show up to myself, how I am accountable to myself. I guess lying for so many years trying to hide trying to protect myself trying to save my family you know from the embarrassment and the shame and coming to a place where it's like a complete opposite now there's so much love there's so much acceptance and there's so much willingness to heal especially with my family I guess I got to work on myself and now I'm working with my family on throw chakra and fra- expressing and voicing the reality and not hiding behind this oh what can i do i will live my life like this No, there's nothing i can do about it but i'm like yes you can do about it you can do about it do not tell yourself you cannot do it
1: hmm.
0: oh my god this was such a huge
1: <laughs> it was it's so <laughs> profound though i'll just it was beautiful thank you so much for sharing i think your story has well it's so unique and one of a kind i think anybody listening can find some inspiration in it in terms of what you've gone through in your whole life and the like when you said you're now the exact opposite it made me think of that Um, I think it's like physics, that when the pendulum swings one way, it swings with equal or greater force the other way. And when you think of everything that you endured in this earlier parts of your life, now the pendulum is swinging into that just openness and the depth of your awareness and the way that you're able to experience life is just so intensely powerful and it's so beautiful to hear you express so thank you
0: thank you thank you for honoring and listening to my story and I haven't shared this with anyone like on a you know on a podcast or openly like this so this is a really vulnerable moment for me as well so thank you for holding space for me and making me feel safe to share this
1: my honor, and I think this is a perfect moment for you to sing for us and just oh. uh, express this other part of your journey, which is will be our honor. I'll probably cry. So, <laughs>
0: oh no, oh god,
1: my voice and the thunder.
0: What's magical about this is we're just saying al Alabela, we're saying free. Wild, beautiful, potent, passionate, creative energy. Come to me. Mm. Come to me. I invite you. And the Raga I chose was grief, was the one for the grief. Because grief is one of the most powerful, powerful emotions that can help you alchemize anything. It can inspire you to alchemize most toughest of the toughest situations in your life and that was the reason because grief also gives love to Vedag. vairag is devotion and bhakti and unconditional love it's that wound that allows you to love unconditionally
1: Which we all need in this world we live in right now, on an individual level, on a community level, on a global, universal level. That unconditional love is essential. Essential.
0: So essential. Mm
1: -hmm. So I get listeners to write in and ask questions, what they're contemplating or thinking of in their lives right now, and... One listener wrote in asking about how can we know if we're in touch with our or in tune with our authentic self?
0: I think the first thing for me is feeling right. It makes sense. It feels right. It feels like it's the right thing. It makes sense. And there's no doubt. There's no duality. There's no shame and there's no fear because that authentic energy is is just itself it's it's true to itself it's fearless it's just like the opening mantra you know ik onkar satnam Karta Nirpao, nirver akal murat Prasad, it's saying that that authentic self is one with the universe. That authentic self is self-created. It it cannot be created by a human consciousness. It is just there. It is without fear. It is without rancor. It is without animosity. It is without um, this heaviness of karma. It just is. And the beauty of that is that it's ever in flow, that there's no end to it. The moment you feel like a feeling came and it's just ended, know that it's not the authentic self. But if it's ever flowing, it fades, but it comes back. It fades, then it comes back again. Realize that that's the expression of your authentic self. You will know when it's right.
1: I love hearing the expression of like, the self effulgent self like it's just ever arising and ever creating and it's always it's ever present it's only the mind that rises and falls the body that rises and falls but this essence that permeates our whole existence that light that shines behind mine in your eyes is just that one self that you express it's so beautiful yeah.
0: Can I also share something about this authentic self? So just day before I actually went to Purangi's concert, Purangi is this beautiful, magical soul who is this multi-talented musician, and he brings the creator through his practice into his concerts, and then everyone is dancing. So when I was in my wound and traumatized space, I actually met this other yogi Um 2017-18 when I basically just started and they chose, they're, they're Caucasian, but they chose to be um, Sikh and practice Sikhism. And at that time when I saw them and they saw me, we always had this huge barrier between us because I was of course hiding something about myself. I was of course trying not to open up myself and hiding this heavy past that I'd gone through and I was ashamed of it and not, and not feeling safe to share about it and they held back as well. And I met them during the Kurangini concert and both of our lives have changed dramatically. Like there's huge difference between our present and our past now, and we saw each other and we hugged each other with such passion, with such love and so much gratitude. And we shared these beautiful moments of ec- ecstasy and dance together. And then he texted me the next morning. He said, brother, it was so good to see you. Something inside me felt so comfortable and so safe around you. I just want to say thank you. And it's so interesting that I felt that which I didn't feel before. And I said, yes, brother, I feel the same. It's like we saw each other for the first time ever. And the reason for that was because I was hiding before I was shaming myself and not allowing myself to feel free and authentic. And now that I'm at that place, and they were at that place too, and we were able to feel each other, see each other and honor each other on the same level, at the same space, in the same portal.
1: Mm. That's a beautiful reminder that we have to do the work within ourselves first to get that clarity of light. So that we're able to recognize it in others. And then of course what power. When two beings who have done the work. Both on the mental level and the spiritual level. And, and the nervous system levels. All the levels to then come together. In that like ecstasy way. Which happens when we meet others who are also on this path. It's so in, it's inspiring. It's like sparks go off in a way that we can recognize it. Now, when we meet others and you can see someone's not in their truth or even in myself day to day, if something comes up and I can feel it like you're right, it's a Mm -hmm. feeling that authentic self. And and I think it's just a good reminder that we have to keep digging it for ourselves first. It's so easy to look at others and say he's like this or she's like that. But once we get that clarity from within it's just so brilliant and it inspires also the clarity for others to dig for themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing more clarity to that. Mm.
1: And um, just a few more questions. So I know for me, after hearing you sing and just meeting you, it's been such an inspiration for me to start using my voice. Actually, I remember when we met at the yoga festival, I came to a few kirtans with you. My throat was like, sore from using it because i hadn't sang like that before i hadn't had that kind of an opening if someone's listening and they're recognizing i have i want to use this power that i know is within me where can they begin in their own lives to use the vishad chakra to use the throat and that power of expression
0: ah the there's different practices Um, that you know that I teach from Indian classical lineage and um, and um, where they can start is basically um, you can either reach out to me or work with any vocal coach or vocal therapist that's out there that's providing with any uh, vocal activating practices and um, how I offer it is as I infuse breath uh, yoga practices and throat chakra Indian classical practices and I merge them all together and that's when I shared them and the most easy that I can share right now is humming mm-hmm. is humming is one of the most powerful beautiful practices and not only does it uh, releases stress uh, uh, stimulates the pituitary gland it also you know activates the vagus nerve it just really just relaxes you to the very core of your existence. And all you need to do is play a, a, an instrument, a drone. So it can be like a string instrument and all you need to do is listen to the sound of the frequency and merge your voice with the instrument. So you tuck your upper lip and your lower lip and you create a small little chamber in your mouth. And then when the breath comes, through your vocal cords and it circulates in your mouth and it comes out through the nose. So when that happens, there's automatically pressure on your vocal cords and then the voice and the breath is vibrating your throat chakra, your voice more, it's pulsing it. And then that's when the magic happens. It starts releasing energy. It starts releasing emotions, stagnancy. It also gives texture to your voice, your vocals, and it also releases mucus that's been collected for years and years and years, which basically causes sore throats after chanting and singing. (laughs) So that daily practice in sadhana basically allows you to, you know, release energies that are stuck in your voice and the simple practice of humming. So when I started my training with my guru, Yashpal, um, who's the Agra Gharana lineage holder, so before I went to him, I had worked with many teachers and I had seven, eight years of practice with him, with myself and working with other teachers. I go to him and I sit in his class and I ask him, like, Guruji, um, I want to learn from you. He's like, OK, let's see if you can learn from me or not. He says, I start singing. And I start singing. And then he goes like, stop, 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 stop. He's like, you don't know anything that's what he said to me <laughs> you don't know anything so for the first two months my first lesson with him was humming for the first two months all i got to do was humming and that's like the wax on wax off of <laughs> indian classical music
1: <laughs> yeah that's amazing <laughs>
0: So, and and you know what he said to me also, like he said, Gurnamath, you can learn all you want in the world. You can learn all the vocal techniques, all the ragas and everything. They said he said that all of that will not make sense until you practice your humming. He said, you can keep learning everything and not practice it, but as long as you're humming, there's nothing that can distract you from your nad and your bhakti and intunement. And he said it's one of the most triggering annoying practices of the door chakra and it makes sense because sitting with yourself and humming and all that surfaces and reflecting and facing yourself is difficult that's why i say like when you're doing your sadhana and your personal practice even that video the purpose of that video was to be like hey create a safe space for your root chakra so that you can meditate create a safe space have your smudges have your instance have your have your beautiful mat have the pictures of your gurus and your teachers you know have a beautiful candle you know look at the light as you're meditating write intentions on a piece of paper and then practice and it just changes everything because it's reminding you of why you're doing this Mm. so the most simplest practices can be one of the most powerful profound experiences but that experience comes after years and years and years of practice. Mm-hmm. I know like we live in an age where everyone is looking for an instant solution an instant result. Uh, I come from a lineage that does not believe in that, that does not support that, that is not okay with that. Even the fact that now they have AI, artificial intelligence starting creating music for the artist is disturbing <laughs> to me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would say it's disturbing. And I think you like made one amazing point that, like, something that can appear to be as simple as humming can be so profoundly devotional and transcendental. If that why, if that faith, if that bhakti, if that love is there behind it, if we're tuned into that power. That is that voice, that inner wisdom, if that's there and we know that's why we practice and it's, wow, so beautiful. I think It was,
0: it was trust. I think like humming for two months for like four hours a day, five hours a day was trust. I had to trust my teacher. I had to trust him. I had no other option. It was so interesting because he would only want me to sing his practices. And my dad who was another alpha in my family who would want me to sing Kirtan. And I have these two alpha males literally doing a tug of war with me. I have to like, you know, balance all of them. But I'm like, I know this beautiful uh, mastro can teach me some profound practices that I need for my growth. And my dad is like, no, you have to sing Kirtan. You have to keep chanting your mantras da, 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 da. So I'm like, okay, you, be, you boys do you. I'm going to do me. And I'm going to do what I feel right right now. So it was that faith and trust that I had in my guru. Because you just know it. I was like, what, four, 15 years? 14 years when I went? for 14, 15, 16 years old? I just knew it. I went to him and I knew he's the one. He's my teacher. Hmm. That was my trust. That was my faith. That was my authentic self. Authentic self said, yes, that's the one. I know it.
1: Beautiful. I've got one last question for you. I love to ask the guests at the end of every episode to leave the listeners, whether they're curious yogi or not, there is some spark of curiosity that's brought them to this conversation to hear us share what point you would offer the listeners to contemplate in their own practice. So that they can dig the answer for themselves.
0: I think when you asked that question, the thing that surfaced for me was be open, be open. You know, there's so many practices on this world. There's so many modalities. There's so many offerings that the world is offering, that the universe is giving us. Try try all that you can. And whatever works for you, whatever touches you, start doing it and don't look back and um, for me that something that brought me to this place was my my greed to learn my greed to (laughs) satisfy that thirst of excitement through the music through the chanting, through the yoga through the kriyas, through the breath it's like whoa that excitement, that joy, that curiosity was always there. And that only came after trying different, different practices and modalities. And when, when I picked up on that curiosity and excitement, I just held on to it. And it was, that was my wild horse that took me a really long way. So don't let you know your judgment and your prejudice stop you from experiencing an experience. Just go do it no expectations detach yourself and and allow the process to happen if it's a if it's for you it's for you if it's not it's not honor that and move on
1: that's beautiful advice i'll take some of that with me and if the listeners want to connect with you what do you have coming up soon that they can find you whether it's online or in person in Vancouver.
0: I offer chakra courses that cover all the foundational practices of the Chakra and chanting mantras, ragas, everything that's around processing emotions and tuning into the chakras and chanting mantras that are associated with the chakras and understanding what music is in all totality is something that I offer as a foundational program. And then I'm also going to be in Mexico for summer solstice at Ical Tulum, which is another exciting opportunity coming my way. And I always hold full moon, near moon, kirtan ceremonies in Vancouver, Quetzalano. And uh, if there are beautiful beings who are interested in being part of the chanting ceremonies or workshops and... Uh, the throat chakra courses that i offer online and in person they can feel free to reach out to me i have instagram uh underscore uh you can easily find me on facebook as well my website uh, uh, dot com, uh, is another portal that can be used to reach out to me
1: beautiful i'll plug all that in the notes and just want to Appreciate you one last time the generosity of your spirit and your story and just the brilliant being that you are i love and appreciate you so thanks for being here with me
0: thank you thank you thank you thank you i bow to the creator i bow to you and i bow to all the listeners and i bow to your strength and journeys and to every tear to every smile to every happiness to every sadness to every grief Thank you for your beauty and your grace and your presence on this planet because it inspires me to be more authentic and live life in the most beautiful way. So thank you for being an inspiration and being magical.
1: Mm, Yes to the magic. (laughs) 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 Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review. It really helps the show reach more people. If you'd like to have your greatest spiritual questions answered on the show, send them to me through social or email. And don't forget to follow on your favorite streaming platforms. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the path together. Music graciously offered by Heidi Herdaya Groschler. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.